Michael Machado, the Senior Director of Product for Einstein Deep Learning Solutions, Keverly Strand, Product Marketer for Einstein, and Julian Savage, Head of Tech and Product Marketing for Einstein, all stopped by Mission HQ for this special episode of IT Visionaries. This Salesforce crew is part of the team that is bringing Einstein and voice technology to customers everywhere. And they took some time away from the labs to discuss with Ian all the ways Salesforce is doing innovative work in this exciting field. They also discussed what is going on in the AI marketplace. They explain what deep learning technology actually is, and they look into the future and talk about what technology has them excited. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at mission.org. And we have a special episode for you today. Three people in studio. It's a round table. It's a certifiable round table, although we are at a square table. What's going on, gang? Hi. Hello. So let's start with Michael. Tell me a little bit about what you're working on at Salesforce. So I came over to Salesforce from an acquisition three years ago, a company called MetaMind. We were focused on deep learning technology, primarily with, to a developer audience. Uh, but since joining, we focused a lot about unstructured data within Salesforce or data that people want to bring into Salesforce. Most recently, I've been focused on voice technology. So Einstein Voice was a great launch last Streamforce, uh, voice assistant, voice bots. Uh, that's been my primary focus. And excited about what we're doing. Unscheduled data sounds like a great horse name. <laughs> unsupervised. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, unstructured. Yeah, unstructured. Sorry, unstructured data. Keverly. Yes. What are you working on at Salesforce? Well, I'm working on all the stuff that Michael just kind of mentioned, but unstructured data, so vision and language and kind of marketing that and voice, what we just kind of talked about. And I'm, uh, so Julian, I'm working on uh, pretty much doing the marketing for all of the Einstein platform products. So that includes voice, which I believe will be one of the focus products for today, we hope, but also other products. In today's episode, we're going to be talking a ton about AI. We're going to be talking about how AI, voice, the future of both, how Einstein plays into all of this, and give a little primer for our IT listeners about how they can think about AI and voice going forward. So first off, let's start with kind of the general AI themes. What are some of the things in the marketplace that you're seeing right now, Michael, that are really interesting and that you've seen close hand? We're starting to see more and more companies interested in bringing what I actually, we just talked about, unstructured data into the enterprise. Traditionally, structured data was what you tried to you know, force your end users to actually do for you to make sure you had great business metrics. But as they look at new ways to interact with their customers or new ways to make their end users more productive, I think, you know, data like images, unstructured text, emails, discussions over the phone, and then voice itself, you know, the idea of streaming audio. Before it was very difficult to analyze that data. Deep learning sort of given us the advantage of being able to take unstructured data and put, make it structured in a way. So I'm seeing a lot of enterprises talk to us about how that changes their business, how they can leverage that data to have a strategic advantage over their competitors. Yeah. Do you think that the way that, I mean, you know, we're 
actually, I guess this is coming up into the future, but we have an upcoming episode where we talk to venture capitalists who's investing in AI companies. One of the things that she was saying is that the amount of data that companies are collecting, that's essentially that bad data, is really one of the biggest problems because there's so much that isn't indicative of anything, right? It's just stuff that doesn't drive the bottom line in any way. Is that something that you've seen? I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of it, actually. Yes, there's vast amounts of data that might be being collected for no purpose at all, but I think in some ways, customers are looking at that data as a potential strategic advantage in the future. So maybe historically, they might not have been able to leverage it, but that's a source of truth for them on how they're performing with their customers, how they can deliver a better user experience. I think as we go into the future, we'll actually be leveraging those vast amounts of data in a more trusted way, but also in a way to deliver new experiences for users. So I guess taking a step back, and Kevin, maybe you want to take a stab at this, what is unstructured data? Like what, what are we talking about and what, what are the stakes here? Sure. Um, so unstructured data could be images. So if you take an image of, say, you got in a car accident and you take a picture of your car and you want to figure out what the damage is, that would be unstructured data because obviously it's it's not in a it's in a visual form. And so we have to take that and understand it from a computer's perspective and put some sort of prediction from it. Another example is if you're doing surveys with customers online, you know, if they are just typing in a bunch of random text, that's not in a structured form because they can pretty much say whatever they want there. So that would be an example of unstructured data. Oh, that's interesting. So like when people are, when it's like the your entire lead form is like ABCDE, ABCDE, and then it's like ABCDE at gmail.com or something, you're like, I don't think that's real. I don't think that's real email address. I mean, in that specific one, you're specifically saying, I want an email address. So you're telling it what it is. But when you're using a block of copy, there's so much information in there. And that's unstructured because you don't know exactly what you're getting in this other field. So that would be an example of that. So then how do you take you know, these massive amounts of unstructured data and turn them into something useful? So I think it's about leveraging the tools you have available to you. So that survey example, I think is really interesting because we've all taken surveys, might even ask someone to take a survey on your podcast every now and then. We do. Uh, and it's, you know- Rate and review. Rate and review, one to five stars, you know, and you know, what's the difference between a three and a half and a four and a half and, you know, one user to the next user and how do you really understand that and grasp it and actually make change from it? But as you actually want to get more granular information, you can't put things in these sort of binary one, two, three, four, five options. So you open it up, you know, you ask your user, tell me what you would want to make this experience better. Well, that's great, you're getting more detail, but someone's gonna have to look over that data and read that data. And what does that mean when you deal with vast amounts of scale? Uh, you can start with simple tools like sentiment analysis. You know, All right, I only wanna look at the negative examples or the positive examples. You can use other tools, extract out keywords that are interesting to you. Uh, but the things are getting more and more advanced where you can actually start to aggregate that data at a much larger scale and draw real action from it. What So what are some like use cases or some examples that you've seen from the field of CIOs, IT leaders, um, technologists being able to take something from this unstructured data and actually drive business results? Uh, I can take that one. I think we like to kind of break things out with kind of four main benefit statements when it comes to AI and when it comes to use cases around AI. We always talk about discover, predict, recommend, and automate. 
and I'll give you examples of what that means. So discover is uh, you can discover hidden patterns in your data. For example, uh, you can use like sentiment data or survey data to kind of know what drives a CSAT for your customer. Predict is one of the core things of AI and of machine learning. For example, you can predict what leads or what opportunities or what accounts will convert if you're into uh, more like sales force automation. Recommend is, is another big one for us too. You can recommend the next best action, the next best engagement, the next best offer to people. So you can think about like the way Amazon does for a consumer, but same for businesses. And the last one is automate. You can automate a bunch of things with workflows and with AI. And I think voice is a good example of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So let's kind of break those down a little bit. So what, what were the, say the four again? Discover, predict, recommend, and automate. So for ways that, and you could talk about Einstein specifically, and we can kind of start getting into that, is how would Einstein be able to like help do those four things? Because I think, you know, a lot of times we look at AI as kind of a, like, hey, I know that this is coming, but what are the direct applications? What are the specific things that this can do? And how can I get started on doing these now? How would Einstein, for example, be able to help in like one of those four areas? So I think if we think about use cases, we at Salesforce want to remain really attached to the main CRM use cases and our kind of core buyers and users, yeah. right? Um, so mostly things around sales, service, marketing, uh, lines of businesses. And then you can have, you have a myriad of use cases for each of those LOBs. So for sales, Einstein can help sales reps know what opportunities to go after or inside sales teams uh, know what leads to go after. For service, we can help agents better, be better at their jobs and be more productive and, uh, and more proactive about their interaction and their interactions with their customers. And for marketing people, we basically help them create one-on-one -on -one journeys so that they can better connect with their own customers. So there's really an unlimited number of use cases, but we try to apply those to the major lines of businesses of existing Salesforce users and customers. You know, Einstein is is really interesting, and it's something that we've looked a lot at. You know, here at here at the mission, because it's such an interesting product that is enhancing like the entire product suite at Salesforce, which I think is super fascinating, that it is, you know, kind of this product within the products. Can you describe like, how did this come about? Why is this so important? And how has this enhanced the things that the other products are already doing? I think it has to do with there's AI, the jury is still out on AI somehow, like as even your questions are like, yeah. tell me the use cases, tell totally. me the, the gaps when it comes to data. And we kind of believe that people don't buy AI just for the sake of AI. People buy CRM and they want their CRM to be smart. They want their CRM to be automated, to be intelligent, and they want that to be AI powered. And that is why we believe that putting each and every Einstein product into the existing CRM suite is what will boost adoption and make customers successful. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, for companies that are out there, there's obviously like a ton of AI companies that are focused on specific things. But I think, you know, we just recently talked to uh, the chief business officer at Spark Cognition, for example, and he was like, yeah, AI is going to be in everything. So it's like, that's why we're an AI company, because AI is in everything. 
in this case, it's like AI is in everything, so Einstein is going to be in everything. Is that kind of right? Yeah, that is kind of right. Einstein is now available across all the Salesforce products, across all the clouds, and uh, there's uh, we're reaching six billion predictions a day. That I think speaks in terms of like customer success and volume and scalability of the platform. So yeah, Einstein, Einstein is everywhere in our narrative and in our customer success stories. What are some of those predictions? Like, what are the predictions that two billion? That's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah, six, actually six. Did you six, say six? Six billion. Six billion. Yeah. Six billion. Jeez. Every day. It depends what time people are going to be listening to that podcast because it goes <laughs> it goes fast. Could be higher. Yeah. Well, like take attrition, right? Attrition is probably one of the 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 like the killer apps or the killer pains for anybody who's working in some kind of customer lifecycle management. Uh, so you just want people to stay subscribed and keep you know being your customers. And so Einstein can help you uh, know what customers are at risk of attriting, at risk of churning. And that's one example. So if you have, if you think about, say, all your customers, you would have one individual risk or prediction for each customer. That would count as one. And then across all the customers, all the users of Einstein, if you add that up, then you reach the six billion plus number. That's wild. I mean, so Michael, for for deep learning, I mean, like give give the listeners a crash course on deep learning because I think it would be interesting to see like what does this mean and how is it being used to improve products and services because I think a lot of times it's being used in a way that people don't even realize. Yeah. It actually goes back to your your original question you asked Julian which is we're baking a lot of our technology right into the platform. And that's actually from a product manager's perspective part of our product strategy which is when we think about what we're going to release next to our customers and how they're going to be able to leverage that tool, we do what we actually recommend to our to our customers, which is start with the business process you're trying to make more efficient, make more, you know, sell more goods, whatever your whatever your main goal is, and and think about based on this business process, what do I want to achieve, and what data do I have available to me to help me achieve that. So if you're trying to make your sales reps more efficient, I mean your service reps more efficient, you know, you have a call center or you have field uh, service reps. You're probably looking at them and saying, well, right now they handle n number of calls per day. The average duration of those calls is you know, one minute, but actually there's a big group of calls over here. It's a small percentage, but we actually spend 20 minutes, an hour over there. Yeah. So you have two kind of thought process. You either look at, all right, the other 90% of my calls, I either needed to deflect those, put them into an agent's hands that can move either quicker for, through them or try to automate those calls. And then I need to look at these other ones and think about what agents are able to handle the more complex issues in a faster way, give them more time to focus on that, make it more repeatable. Um, and that's a lot of our strategy around our um, chatbot solution, for instance, is we don't look at it as pure automation or just um, you know, making someone you know, one degree more efficient, but we look at the entire picture. You know, We want to make agents that are best able to handle a case um, have that case at the top of their queue. That's something like case classification. You might not need deep learning to solve that problem. But then you, when you look at actually engaging in a conversation with, an, uh, with a customer, a lot of chatbots are going to be able to handle that if it's high frequency cases. Password resets is the most common one, right? Yeah. You know, we all. Every single IT leader that's listening is like password resets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For the love of G. It's not just you too. We, you know, you go look at Salesforce uh, top service requests, it's probably a password reset as well. 
you don't we need just your... had to figure out the password for the freaking wi-fi like <laughs> 10 minutes ago that's yeah true. It's, i mean and that's not even resetting it i i almost i almost reset the password just because i was like i don't even know what this is but it is those type of use cases that i think are so exciting because when you look at the math of that like we had the cio uh, of ups on talking about how these incremental data points when they're affected by 50,000 drivers across the country, like, you know, every single time that they turn left at a red light, you know, stuff like that, it adds up to massive amounts of scale. And when you can solve a problem that's as simple as just automating password resets with with chatbots, that's the use case where you're like, we all know AI is going to be, you know, save us like lots of time and money. But those like incremental things are massively impactful in the long run. And it saves human capital for stuff that they should be working on that's a lot harder than a, than a password reset. And it's a spectrum too, right? It's not just like handle password resets with the bot that goes over here. Service agents handle the more complex use cases. Like how can you automate some stuff? deflecting the cases from ever touching an agent's hand? And then how do you slowly bridge that gap to handing it off to an agent? You know, collecting the information that can kind of be done in a two-minute form rather than spending a lot of time with an agent. So that agent does get engaged with that customer. They're extremely efficient. They're making that customer, you know, walk away from that conversation happy. That's all of our goals, right? No one likes calling support lines and being put on hold for a long time. If you can make that kind of process more efficient, you're making progress with your customers. So you see that falls under automate. Like I'm always back to the four main benefits. Everything we're going to be talking about today is always going to be within one of those buckets. Automate, discover, predict, recommend, automate. All the bots stuff, and to some extent, a lot of the voice stuff we'll be talking about, that's a way for uh, you to automate some of your mundane tasks and processes that are just too much time consuming. And Einstein is able to detect things like customer sentiment and competitor involvement. So like, how do things like that work? Like, what are those type of, of use cases and how could that be potentially like extremely advantageous? So with customer sentiment or competitor mentioned, it's, it's really about thinking about what, what your problem set is. You know, if you only have 10 competitors in the market, you know, there's lots of easy ways you can find that out. You know, there you could create a synonym list for every competitor out there. And, yeah. you know, anytime you hear that mentioned on a sales call or in an email, you know, understand what rational reasons you have to put yourself in a position to say you're more advantageous than your competitors. Uh, sentiment's a little bit more fuzzy, right? And we need lots of data and we need lots of source domain data to actually give you an efficient process for sentiment analysis. We give a lot of these tools, like we say, we, we want to bake Einstein as much as we can into the product. So you can turn it on and you're consuming artificial intelligence without really even thinking about it, but also give you those tools so you can extend that and you can customize that. So a lot of what we do around Einstein language and Einstein vision and Einstein voice is thinking about how can we solve your use case, but that same technology we leverage, we deliver through APIs, we do deliver that through declarative tool sets within the force.com platform. So you can bring that into your own organization. You can provide your own data in a secure way. You can kind of create your own machine learning models without needing you know, PhDs from Stanford to deliver on that, that promise. And I think that's an interesting kind of shift we're going, which is deliver something out of the box, but allow our customers to extend that through the tool sets we give them. You mentioned voice, and I, I want to dive pretty deep into voice here. You know, according to Comscore, 50% of all searches will be voice searches by 2020. We've seen the rapid rise of things like 
Google Home and Alexa and, and all this stuff, which, by the way, you can't even like say those anymore because then it's going to start talking to you. Luckily, Google <laughs> Home is in the other room. Um, and then obviously things like AirPods, which Gen 1 of AirPods is out right now, which is wild. I mean, the fact that you see so many people, I think it's the most successful Apple product ever that's not a not like a phone or a computer. And that's just Gen 1, right? So it's only going to get better and better. We have all of these, all the technology converging around understanding, being able to clearly articulate like our voice and put it into stuff. This is a huge, obviously we're a podcast company, so we're excited about this for a lot of reasons. But with regards to specifically, you look at just sales calls alone is how much, how much work can be done to do this voice to text, to give your CRM commands, to tell it to do something. Why are you so excited about, and I guess this, I'll open it to the group, but uh, why are you all so excited about about voice and specifically then we can go into uh, to Einstein after that? From my perspective, I think it's it kind of goes back to when we first started the podcast and we we're talking about the type of data that goes into systems and how you have a lot of like you guys are kind of talking about crap data. That's the right way to say it. But um, I think that's I think that's technical. Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, well, this is about helping get better data in the system. So, specifically in a sales case, a lot of sales agents that are out in the field, they'll either take notes by hand and never get it back into the system, and so you're never getting that great data back into the system for everybody else to use and get insights from or they're just putting minor information back into the system. Like I just met with Bob at you know five o'clock and that's all you get in there. And so that's not really giving you great data to work from. And so voice is helping change that. And so you're actually getting great data in the system in the moment and making it all about convenience. I know we talked a lot about efficiency and productivity, but it's also about a convenience. 100%. I mean, just with regards to transcription alone, I mean, I can't tell you how much energy, mental energy, and billions of dollars go into just the fact that things, transcription services are horrific. I mean, you look at stuff like that and you're like, wow, this is just wild that it's not, you know, readily available or it's crazy expensive or it's like by the word or stuff like that. I mean, the fact that you would go pay, you know, like a dollar a word to get your sales calls transcribed is is wild. And I think you bring up an interesting point, which is transcription. Like what is voice really? Like you ask any company, they probably have a different thought process about how they want to leverage voice. And is it about transcribing, getting more data in? Is it about the new kind of user experience of voice, right? Like you mentioned notes from a meeting. If I was to type that out, or if you would even ask us questions right now uh, over an email and ask us, you know, you were going to provide just a, a website where you kind of blogged about our conversation, you might have very different answers to a lot of your questions if we were to type those out. But if you ask me an open-ended question with a microphone in front of me, you might get me to blabber a little bit like I'm doing right now. You know, and I think that's different. I think that's interesting. So maybe you might not read an hour-long conversation that happened over a phone, the full transcription. But if you could actually extract out and use natural language understanding to, to actually start to structure some of that hour-long conversation, now that it's in a text format, you're starting to kind of bridge both voice and NLP together, making some kind of insight being able to be drawn, being able to be you know have new discoverability from that that call that you transcribed that wouldn't have been there before. Yeah, and I want to take I want to take a quick like pivot into the 
This is assuming that both sides are obviously agreeing on having the call being recorded. Yes. Um, and both sides, you know, are aware of that and all that sort of stuff. That's obviously, you know, the case. Some people, you know, don't want that to happen. That's totally fine. But in those cases that it that they do, I think that the ability of a leader, a technology leader in the organization to be able to look at 5,000 calls, 10,000 calls, you know, a million calls, these massive amounts of data and pull keywords. It's like, hey, you know, we didn't we didn't know that people on every single call kept talking about blank. And now we have the ability to look at this massive amount of data and say, hey, this is what people are talking on the phones or conversely, our service reps always talk about blank. Like, why does this word come up so many times? Like, clearly there's a reason for it and do trend analysis. And I think that a lot of the best, um, especially a lot of the best marketers, but a lot of the best technology leaders are able to use Google and things like that to kind of like, and Reddit and Quora and things like this to like, look at what people are searching for and try to figure out how to like backwards plan answers. This is completely different. This is actually what is coming from the proverbial horse's mouth here. And I think that that's just super exciting. Do you think that that leveraging that huge amount of technology, what are some of the like intended consequences and then maybe some unintended consequences of, of having that much access to what people are saying. Privacy and trust is like a core tenant of ours. It's a core value for Salesforce. And I think it's actually something worth talking a lot about. Like, What are the ethical implications of implementing voice technology, recording conversations? Um, how can it be leveraged for good too, right? I think there's a lot of good that come out of it in this era of you know privacy being so important. Uh, you talked about some interesting use cases of making people more efficient. I'm not just reading 10 years of calls when I want to go find out, you know, how my reps are performing, but also compliance. You know, how can I make sure that financial planners are correctly articulating the value of a, of a stock? You know, there's when you start to bring these two kind of pieces together, you're actually able to, I actually don't need to go listen to that entire call or just randomly sample 100 calls out of 10,000 to find out if I think there's any you know chance of being not compliant right now for my organization. I can actually use NLP on top of that and and come in with actually an understanding of performance and at least make a, a compliance officer's job more efficient, you know, making sure they're thinking of like the priority of calls that they want to be looking at, the type of people who are, you know, trend towards certain facets of kind of their their business process or their business metrics that they're looking at. Well, and and I think that the best salespeople are ultimately the best listeners, right? Yep. So I think it's so interesting from a listening standpoint that you could say like, hey, we can actually listen, you know, to our prospects, to people that are giving us their valuable time to talk to a sales rep. And instead of just like regurgitating a playbook, which is like a lot of times what might be happening, we can actually use this to listen at scale and pull out those themes and threads that are super interesting. And I think that the trust point is is salient because if we are upfront with people about, hey, this is you know, how many times do you hear on the call, like, this call is being recorded for your whatever it is. Quality like, assurance. Yeah, quality assurance. I'm never like, I never hear that. I'm like, oh, no, you know, they're, they're, they're on to me. I'm every single time I'm like, great. I'm glad that you're learning from this call. Because if I get infuriated that I'm on hold for 45 minutes, well, I wouldn't tweet out about it, but somebody would, <laughs> that's for sure. But I think there's also some like all that use case, which is like analyzing kind of past voice data from interactions between say a sales or a service rep with a customer is great. But 
the small than that, right? Einstein voice is actually more an experience than a way for us to analyze past data and past yeah, yeah. calls, right? It's that's not like just one like use case. That's one yeah. use case, exactly. But like what we really announced last year at Dreamforce was more a way for you to just interact with Salesforce uh, and just like we talk to Salesforce, like, hey, Einstein, what's my forecast? What should I do today? What are the, op the opportunities that I should go after? When is my next meeting? Like that sort of thing where it almost becomes like it's the new UI, right? Someone said two years ago, AI is the new UI, and now I feel like voice is the new UI somehow. Yeah. And it's just a way for people to, <clears throat> excuse me, conversationally talk to Salesforce and have a better customer relationship management tool just with a voice command. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I think that it is the start of a massive shift in general of the fact that we're going to be talking to our technology and asking it to do different things because you already start to do that. And like once you have an AirPod in one ear, it's like you're already super connected to it, right? And then it's if it's listening and then you're like, I don't need to go search for my phone wherever that is in my pocket. And I, I have whatever the most updated version of the mobile app. And I can just say it into after I you know leave a sales meeting or or just a meeting in general as an executive or something like that, like, hey, take this note. And then you're just spewing your thoughts into uh, into a note that is automatically updated in your CRM. I mean, that's super different than what we had before. I mean, it's wildly different because the other the other piece is that that person has to go type out a note for five minutes and like that ain't happening when they're on their way to their next meeting, right? When they're walking through the hallway to their next thing. And to that point, I don't actually think it's going to be as we kind of trend forward. You, you mentioned um, Google and Alexa, more devices out there where voice is a primary input. I think we're even going to see it in devices you never thought of before as even technology devices. As your whole home starts to have more automation built in into it through voice. And it's not going to be one mode, right? It's not just talk and then action takes place. But you know, you're going to be getting feedback from multiple devices. Your displays are going to become more and more prevalent, especially as you start, start talking about the enterprise, right? I don't think everything's going to be happen as a pure voice command, but it's a new user experience. It's a new user interface. And it'll be interesting to see how these trends go from you talking to a device and the device talking back to you to talk and tap experiences or talk and display experiences. And I think that's you know, we're at kind of just the beginning of that transition. You know, it's interesting. I was watching uh, Apollo 11 last night and hearing the communication between the astronauts like on the moon, right? And back with Houston and just thinking about like how much stuff was like verbally communicated between like the entire team and back and forth and how wild it is that that was, you know, happening across the world. And then you see these cuts of like these computer screens that they have in front of them, right? That's 50 years ago. But it makes you think like, what is 50 years into the future? What does voice communication look like in 50 years, right? If you could have that type of conversation, if you're Houston, you know, that has all of the data is, you know, your CRM, for example, you could have an actual prompted conversation where AI can actually teach you things like, hey, I'm walking into a meeting with someone and they wrote a book, you know, whatever it is. Can you summarize their book for me? before I walk into the meeting, for example, like things like that, that you could have this conversational approach that like, you know, it's equivalent to to speaking to someone on the moon, right? Because you go from this position where I can just say it and immediately it is told back to me rather than 
finding my phone or, you know, going to the computer, you know, searching and all that sort of stuff. And it just automatically tells you, do you think that, you know, obviously you're all working on this on Einstein, which is pretty exciting. What do you see as like the things you're super excited about for the near term and, and maybe farther out future? It's tough because there's so much stuff we cannot talk about because it's <laughs> yeah. not announced. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. Do you want to talk about topic detection? I think, or Well, I mean, like just kind Sorry, of expanding yeah. use cases for voice because it's such a new technology and we're still working on it. It sounds easy because, you know, it's like everybody can talk as soon as you're, you know, like a toddler, you start learning to talk. But there's a lot that goes into it. And I think people have a misperception that it's just a simple technology, but there's a lot under the hood. Um, and so I think which kind makes of, it brilliant, right? Yes. Like that's the thing that's so brilliant about it. Exactly. And you can do so, there's so much you can do with it. And um, just kind of like making sure the technology is there. And especially as we were an international company. And so thinking about multi-languages yeah. and like thinking about how do we scale through other, you know, like how other countries are using technology and voice. And I think that's a great, I don't know, kind of future look that I just want to see where the technology is going to go and expand. That's a great one. I love the multi-language stuff. I was, one of my high school teachers said that if she had any gift in the world, she would want to be able to speak every language. And I, I thought at the time, I'm like, I wonder if that's just going to be a technology someday, right? That you can just speak every language. And like, that's a perfect use case, right? If you're talking to people, if you're trying to work with someone in another country and you speak a different language, and now automatically it's like you could have that actual conversational approach to it where it's translating. That's a great use case. I think it's assistance, assistance in general. Like we've talked a lot about it. Like will there be like a proliferation of assistance where every enterprise has their own assistant they serve customers with? Will there be sort of a single assistant that we all kind of, you choose yours and that's like the, the assistant that you, know, you bond with and you, you know, it interacts with other autonomous agents for you. Like when you were to just ask, you know, what's uh, you're walking into a meeting with us and you said, well, you know, what's Julian's Wikipedia page say about him or something, yeah. or what was Julian's last uh, you know, blog? Give me a summary of it real quick. You know, who are you talking to? Who's fetching that information for you? Uh, are you going to have many? Are you going to have one? Are you going to, is it going to be business specific or, you know, what's that kind of relationship going to be like if we're actually talking 50 years out? I don't think any of us has the answer, but I think it's what a lot of people are thinking about when they realize that might be a, a form of communication with their end users. Well, shout out to Hillary, our producer, because she did do all of our prep. And I know that Julian was ne was a French Olympic swimmer. Am I right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> it's, uh, there's a Julien Sauvage who actually was a French Olympic, way more better looking than me. Yeah. So, and more uh, athletic, but same name, different, different yeah. person. I'm not the ex-senator either of California. Either, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, it was funny because we were talking about this uh, before. We are like, I wonder if he's the swimmer. It's like, definitely not. But uh, it's, it's it's good to get those jokes in. Um, I was like, wow, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say something about like the what, what excites us about the future of voice. I think what excites me as well is that, as we said, voice is a new UI. It's a new experience, but it's also just more data for us. And so it's almost like, how do you say that in English, like a virtuous circle where voice creates more data than then will be captured by the Einstein predictive engine Yeah. so that we make uh, the interaction a little more personal every time you talk to Einstein. And then that prediction feeds the voice engine back. So it's like it's a virtuous circle 
of like just like self-learning thing where the assistant and all the voice technology just becomes more prescriptive and more personalized over time because it learns on past data. And that's something that I, I really want to see in the future. I feel like we talk about it pretty much every AI episode, but it always gets brought up the the Gmail AI that now finishes your sentences. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of those easy things where it's like, you want to talk about what, how much stuff is under the hood of that technology. But it's that sort of stuff where it's like, yeah, imagine when it's listened to, you know, a thousand phone calls. Imagine when it's listened to a million. It's really exciting. Final question before the lightning round. We've seen, or we've talked a lot about how, you know, Einstein voice is going to work and the things that you're doing. Have you been working on it right now with customers? Are there any like early examples of of success that you've seen? Uh, so yeah, yes, like we're in pilot right now. Um, one of our customers is One Call. They work with workers that have been injured on the job, and they're they work with connecting them with providers and making sure that process is a lot smoother for them, and so that they can get back to work faster. Because obviously, we want that to happen. Kind of why they came to us and heard about voice at Dreamforce, and they were really excited about it. Is they have a lot of field sales reps that go out and talk to these injured workers and trying to find out what their cases and how to connect them. And they started to to acquire a lot of companies. So they had a lot of disparate kind of integrations happening. Yeah. And they wanted to streamline that process because the whole thing is get them back to work faster, make it a great experience. It's all about that customer experience. But they weren't logging those notes in the right way that everybody on the team. So if somebody called in later on and wanted to know, oh, I have a question about my specific case. I have a question about my um, medical record, that kind of thing. They couldn't, they had to like talk to different systems and nobody was communicating. So they have to say the same thing over and over again. And that's just not a great customer experience. So when they started to use Einstein voice specifically, they've seen a two times increase in like the amount of notes that are going into the system, which is leading to better customer experiences um, because they don't have to just kind of have that same that repetitive conversation over and over again. Gosh, and that's what's so exciting about this stuff because I think a lot of times we look at the business cases, which are obviously, you know, really exciting to to think about how to, you know, log sales and do customer success and all of this. When you think about it from healthcare, from things that like are saving people's lives every day, but that's ultimately like, it's all in the same kind of like vertical because if we're not creating these frictionless experiences, then our customers are ultimately just not going to get the services that they need. And things like one call, I didn't, I hadn't heard about one call. That's really cool. I'll check them out because that's, those are the type of companies that I think it's so critical to get it right the first way. And we've all been through that experience where, I mean, I was in the military, so I can definitely tell you that I had the same conversation 55 times about uh, every single medical issue. Actually, shout out to the VA. VA is doing great work. <laughs> Everybody bags on the VA, but my, my experience with the VA has been awesome. But but you look at those type of use cases and it's, and it's just such a powerful thing. Like two times better is, you know. In a quite, month. Yeah, it's just wild. That's really cool. Let's get into the lightning round. Fast and easy questions. Not unlike the lightning platform from Salesforce. You all are familiar with this lightning platform that we love so much here at mission.org. All right, fast and easy questions. We're going to go around the horn. Are you ready? I'm, what? Sc- I'm scared now. Yeah, you should be. You've never seen these questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Michael, what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? I use Twitter a ton. And I got to say, for multiple different reasons. One, actually staying up to speed on all like artificial intelligence from how enterprises are using it, from how other companies are putting new products in the market, but also the research community. If you're interested in artificial intelligence, I highly recommend following uh, researchers in the market. You're going to see stuff that might not be available to users from both Salesforce I and mean, Richard Socher would be a great a great ad just to queue up our own chief data scientist. But there's lots of amazing researchers out there from both uh, academia and uh, enterprise companies that you can follow, you can learn from, you get to see the latest technology, you get to see how they're kind of envisioning it. And that's how I actually, it's, it's one of the, you know, the best sources of at least news for me. So Carefully. it's an old app, but a great app. Same question? Yeah. Okay, Flipboard. I love Flipboard because it, I could get the interesting news that I want and it's across a variety of different outlets and I just could go nuts on that. Julian? It's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing. Flipboard, I think it really helps me stay connected to the culture of my country, like France, and yet be on the, like know what's going on in the Valley and like everything about tech. So I really like that. We'll do favorite podcast or recent book that you've read or listened to around the horn. Well, favorite podcast right now, just because it's the most recent I listened to, is Hidden Brain. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Ooh, um, all right. But it spans everything from, you know, personal pleasures, like just finding about sports and the uh, latest happenings. It's NFL free agency time. You got to stay up on it. I know. I had a message right before this that the Raiders signed another wide receiver, and I'm curious who it is. We'll have to find out. You know, I actually just started listening. I, I, I held off for a long time, and I won't say why. But I, <laughs> Joe Rogan's podcast—it's oh, a yeah. uh, you know—it's well, I think it's the the biggest, largest podcast yeah. audience in the entire world. It is nothing but entertaining. Rogan's yeah. great. Yeah. People, I mean, people just get so bent out of shape about everything. But Rogan's great. He's just like the ultimate. So I, I saw something funny. This is not very lightningy, but uh, yeah, I saw something funny. They're like, you could convince Joe Rogan of anything in an hour. And I was like, what a what a great what a great position to be in if uh, if you're that trusting of a host. That's why people have talked to him. Podcast or book that you've read or listened Podcast to? Podcast or book. Uh, I wish I had more time. We have two small babies at home, so it's a little tough. Uh, and I can see Mike and uh, relate. I don't listen to that much, that many podcasts. I tend to read uh, more like French fiction and novel and stuff because Ooh, my, my brain just gets saturated with the English language, although it's a beautiful one. No disrespect at the end. And I want to like, again stay connected to my culture. So like more non-tech and non-business stuff. Yeah, what's uh, what's some French fiction? French fiction. Oh, there's one a guy called uh, Riyad Satouf. He's from Syria and he's telling uh, his story and everything that happened to his country, going from Syria to France. And it's a great way to like look at the Syrian war, but from the like the inside perspective. I like that. Non non-tech, not business. Sorry. Yeah, it's great. Oh, we, we're... Equal opportunists here. <laughs> um, we write a lot of fiction, nonfiction stuff. So, final question: favorite vacation spot? Charleston. Ooh, love Charleston. I used to live in South Carolina. Northern California Sierras. I think anywhere in the Mediterranean. I love it. Anything else? Any other? I guess we should do fi favorite use of AI or chatbots that you've seen recently that is non-Einstein. Ooh. 
Even in like, cons- like consumer, consumer apps. Yeah, like consumer whatever. I actually really like the Gmail auto-completion. So thing. good. It's, it's so good. Great. Yeah. Um, I like all the Spotify stuff. Like it's still cool to have like the time capsule, I think they call it, where like they make like personalized recommendations for you and like they put they would put like nineties uh punk rock music that I would be listening to back then when when I was a kid, all that stuff uh is, is kind of fun. I recently just listened to a like twenty fourteen mix that I had and it was wild just like how you transport yourself into the different years when you're doing stuff. I think that that time capsule stuff is really interesting. I'll go a little less. I don't think you're seeing them in the market as much yet, but I think we're going to see more and more question and answering systems, um, systems that can actually read from multiple domain sources and actually fetch information for you. Uh, you kind of are starting with it with a lot of consumer-like devices where you're you know, Q&A into an Alexa device or Google Home where you can query information. I think we're going to see more advances in that space, and that's what kind of excites me. It's a difficult problem, kind of knowledge retrieval, but uh, it's getting better and better every year. I think in the medical industry, I am amazed at the technology, how AI is helping diagnose things that other people haven't been able to find, even this kind of helping develop healing technologies that are specific to a, a specific person. I think that's great i don't know yeah i'm amazed by that i actually have a personal example of that and maybe it'll be too long but like we actually went to the doctor with gail who's now three year old my older and uh the doctor came in and like took a picture of his eyes and then it took like 30 seconds to upload the image to like the ucsf mobile app and i had a risk of him uh, being myopic in the next five years like that's amazing because it's unstructured data combined with a predictive model on the fly in a healthcare environment for consumers on mobile. And I was like, wow. And my wife was there and she never understands what I'm doing. And I was like, <laughs> see, honey, this is AI. <laughs> and she was like, oh, wow, I got it now. So I thought it was cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. Um, this has been awesome. Appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for sharing some insights under the hood on, uh, on Einstein voice and Einstein and AI and all this stuff. Come back soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps.